Hello and welcome to the latest episode of PSG Talking. I'm your host Ed and on today's show we're going to talk about PSG's recent results and the ongoing drama off the pitch between some of the players and the PSG Ultras. We'll also take a look at the recent transfer rumors, Champions League what-ifs, and League Gun's plans for the U.S. market. First though, let me tell you about PSG Talk Extra Time. It's where you can find premium PSG content in English for free. Just head over to Substack and subscribe. Also make sure you bookmark psgtalk.com. It's where you can stay up to date on the latest PSG news. And since you're listening to this fine podcast, go ahead and subscribe. And if you can, leave us a review. All right. Joining me on today's show, once again, is Ethan from PSG Fan Club Boise. Ethan and I got a chance to meet in person recently for a Real Salt Lake versus LAFC match, which was a blast, although LAFC absolutely dominated the match, and it rained off and on, so it was a little cold and wet, but LAFC won for Ethan. Um, Ethan, what did you think of America First Field? Oh, man, America First Field. I know we talked about at the stadium the how funny that name was, and used to be Rio Tinto and I like the whole uh you know the riot song that you guys have you know Rio the beginning of Rio T that's pretty clever yeah you guys must have been pretty bummed when they changed the name because that was a good name and like you were saying America first field it, it almost sounds too patriotic maybe maybe they need to dial it back but it was a yeah. nice it was a nice stadium about the same size as LAFC's um you know it's it was a pretty typical MLS stadium but uh I've been to a couple LAFC away days now. I've been to four of them. I, I told you I've been to Seattle, Portland, San Jose, and now Real Salt Lake. And um, your guys' – I think I – I mean, Seattle's is a big stadium, but – and I really like the Timbers atmosphere, but your guys' was – it was a nice – it was a nice little stadium. Um, yeah, overall, good good atmosphere there. And the rain was kind of fun too. made it dicey. Yeah, we, we had front row seats, which was nice, but we, it wasn't like Trois. We didn't – no hot tub. So we got to step up our game there. But yeah. outside of the stadium, tell the folks listening what um, some entrepreneurial spirit was selling on the corner outside of the stadium. Oh yeah, yeah. The uh, we were talking the PSG Ultras would love this. Um, there was there was some guy and he was selling. Man, they must have had hundreds of kits, but it was it was every big European club and every big European player that you could think of. There were Benzema jerseys. There were Neymar jerseys. There were Messi and Mbappe, both national team kits and PSG kits, a uh, little bit of everything. And uh, I think a great point that you said, and I'm glad that you you gave me the chance to say this, but uh, what, what you were saying when we were going to the stadium is that um, they, they had all the jerseys facing on the back, so you could see the name on the back. You know, you couldn't see, like, the front of the shirt or the badge or anything. And you were saying that, that's exactly what our ultras would hate. They mm-hmm. they don't want someone buying a kit for what's on the back. They want it for for the badge on the front. So I thought that was a, a great bit of wisdom that you gave me as as we were walking in. And sometimes I surprise myself, but yeah, I mean, all of the jerseys they were laid out on the sidewalk as people were filtering into the stadium, and they had you know every Premier League big big 
you know, player, Holland, all those players. And, and then you had Mbappe, which was turned over. So you could see his name, Messi and Neymar. And um, people are always saying, well, why are you get so upset? Why are your ultras whistling at Neymar? And it's not that we necessarily think he's a bad player or Messi. Obviously, they're great players. We, we hate what they embody, what they bring, which is a certain fan base who only care about that last name, not necessarily the club. And that was just like at an MLS game, the MLS free game of the week. It just it just slapped you in the face, that whole point. So, um, yeah. Well, anyway, Ethan, should we jump into the PSG content here? Um, where we want to start here? Let's dive right into PSG's over the weekend. They won 5-0 over Ajaxio. This one had a little bit of everything, didn't it? You had Mbappe with a brace. Hakimi scored, and then he was sent off for fighting. Fabian Ruiz, he continued his hot streak with a goal. Messi was whistled at every time he touched the ball, pretty much. And, and Spider-Man made an appearance. Um, so what was your main takeaway from this match? Uh, well, main takeaway is that Jaxi are bad and they're getting relegated. Uh, no, that's probably not my main take. But just like the game against Trois the week before, uh, they're both sitting on basically the same amount of points. And uh, I think both of their relegations have now been confirmed, but they were it was basically uh, written on the wall since, I don't know, December or January, probably even earlier. But um, you know, it was it was a good win against a bad team. I know people see five five zero, and we see the good goals like Ruiz's volley was real nice. And um, but overall, just a solid performance. Uh, we're just looking to not, you know, drop points against those kind of teams. Um, a, a lot of on Twitter I've seen lately, uh, a lot of Marseille fans are saying, "Oh, us and Lons, we're we're the real champions of France." You know, the people's champs essentially. And uh, to that, I would say if, if Marseille wanted to really be champions of France, then maybe they shouldn't have lost to Ajaxio this year. Um, it's it's those kind of games where you're as a as a top club that's that's going to be in the Champions League next season. You are looking to just not have a disappointment. You know, you're looking to pick up the three points, get out of there, uh, even though they might get chippy with you and stuff like that. And that's just where PSG's been a little bit better. Obviously, we haven't been great against uh, the clubs that are going to be in Europe next year, but Against all the bad teams, we basically haven't dropped any games. So we're just doing what we got to do. Let's just get the record 11th uh, Liga title and move on to next year. Yeah, it's hard to have any you know groundbreaking takeaways from um, playing at home against the Jaxio. They're going to be relegated. Um, I guess my first takeaway would be that you know once they get relegated, it's going to be sad. I don't think. I'm just looking at the League Two's uh, standings. Bastia is in fourth. They won't have an opportunity to get into the top flight. I always like to have a, a Corsica club in the in the top flight, the French League. I don't know. I just think it's just kind of cool. But so anyway, I thought about that. Yeah. Um, Fabian Ruiz, he's a player much maligned for uh, this season. People were wondering why did we bring him in, but we we also forget that sometimes it takes these players a little bit of time to, um, you know acclimate to the league and the new teammates and everything that's going on at PSG. So he's he's starting to find his footing. I know it's against a lesser side, but still good to see a player like him starting to score some goals and and we are seeing his quality. So he's a player that I would say absolutely get out of the club. Now I'm thinking and I and you, I think right before coming on you tweeted this that you know, he he might be a good player for squad depth. Uh, and I I think I'm starting to come around to that. So and I think at this point of the season um you can make those you can start to think about that 
um, what players that you think could continue on next season, which players you want to sell on. So certainly Ruiz is one of those players. Um, and I guess the, the takeaway would be the the battling, quote-unquote, ultras, where some of the fans were whistling at Messi and then the other, again, quote-unquote, PSG fans wearing the Argentina kits <laughs> were like, Messi, Messi. So like that, that battling in the stands, it was a very odd atmosphere. Um, and we're going to talk about that in, in a second more. But, um, you know, and then I guess my other takeaway would be Hakimi. I love Hakimi. I think he's one of the untouchables at the club, but between his legal issues... And now he's getting a second red card um, in as many games. I'm just like, do, should we should we get rid of him? You know, he he was at the Inter game, I think, today. Um, I don't know. What what do you think about Hakimi? Is, is he a player that you think, if a bid comes in, that you would part ways with him? Oh, gosh. I think it would depend on on what the bid is. The issue is that there's, there's not a bunch of truly, truly elite uh, fullbacks in the world. Um, I feel like the 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 glory days of fullbacks were the '90s and the 2000s, but in the 2010s and move on onto this decade, I feel like the the quality just isn't quite there, especially as of the past I don't know 10 years or so. But oh, that's the tough thing. I mean, he's not on insane wages, um, and yeah, he's his form has dipped. But can can we get someone? I mean, if if we just took Mukiele and just played him. That's obviously a much more defensive-minded uh, right back. Is that something that we want? Is that something that Campos thinks is going to fit into the team next year to have a more defensive uh, uh, fullback? I mean, if when Hakimi and Nuno are uh, you know on their good days, they're great players. They're very, very good. Some of the best fullbacks in the world. It, do you want to get rid of that? Especially we've seen as PSG fans in the past, we haven't had elite fullbacks for a long time. I remember when... I mean, I remember just semi-recently, a couple years ago, we got Florenzi on loan from Roma. And I was like, all right, is this is this going to be the guy? Is this going to be the right back we've we've been you know, waiting for for a while? And I know we've had other guys in the past, but they were typically uh, old and we got a year or two that were, were decent out of them before they left. Um, but yeah, we just haven't had like a, a right back that's just been that guy for a long time. And I, th- I think even if you put the the all-time PSG best 11. I've actually uh, like thought of this and worked on, on this in the past. And you have Gregory Vanderbilt from... at right back. Oh my gosh. No, <laughs> no, he cannot, he could not be in there, but I know it's just the, it's kind of slim pickings. We've got great players at every position across all areas of PSG, except right back. I mean, we've had talented players, but as far as guys who cemented a legacy at PSG, uh, that's kind of an empty spot. So I think for now we got to keep him unless someone really just overbids. Um, and I don't know, just it's so good to have a guy like Mukiele as as depth. Um, so although, you know, I, I think I, the, what's what's the phrase? Um, form is temporary, but but class is forever or something like that. I, I just want to see I just want to see Hakimi get back into the swing of things and and really start playing some more meaning meaningful football and maybe that'll help him but i it's too early for me to write him off and, and sell him unless we get a hundred million dollar bid or something 
Yeah, and he had a pretty good World Cup. I'm, I'm just wondering if that and the legal issues and all the drama at PSG, this is kind of maybe a lost season for him. Hopefully he bounces back. I think Warren Zaire Emery might be able to play a little bit of right back. He seems like a, a pretty versatile player, so I guess maybe if we did sell Hakimi, maybe in a pinch if we need a backup, Mukiele went down. Maybe we could uh, slot him in there. But, um, yeah, so those, those are my main takeaways, the the battling Messi fans and uh, Fabian Ruiz playing well and then Hakimi just with the, the red card there. So, uh, But before that win over Ajaxio, uh, PSG, they were away at Troyes um, where they won 3-1. And I tweeted out, and again, tons of quote tweets. I think this is the one that had like over 100 quote tweets. But I thought they looked better without Messi on the pitch. I thought that... Some of the, you know, Ruiz, again, just more open, just more willing to get involved and, and make a play. He wasn't standing around looking for Messi to do something. So I just thought that they the team as a whole looked better on the pitch without Messi. Um, so what what was your main takeaway from that match? I know it's asking you to go back a couple weeks here, but anything stand out to you about that match? Um, well, I'll just quickly talk about the, the tweet that you were talking about because, yeah, you got over 100 quote tweets from messy fanboys and um and and look I, I know you you are more of a messy uh skeptic than i am but i'll say this it's it's not like you were lifting up uh Mbappe or anything it's if it was just messy as our kind of star forward or if it was just Mbappe, we would have been better off because given how the weakness in our midfield given that our midfield's probably our, our weakest point to have basically five of them once you take the two fullbacks playing as midfielders, that that is a big help. So it, it was not um, – I know you do dig on Messi, but I, I did not see that one as a uh, as a Messi dig. I saw that as a tactical dig. Um, you know, uh, yeah, just playing with five midfielders is going to help us, especially against a bad team like that. It's easier to press them while you can still have three, you know, three center backs uh, sitting back and – you know, Ekatike is going to press because he's got something to prove. So, yeah, overall, just playing with five midfielders and only basically two attackers instead of the normal three, if we're playing like a, a 4-3-3 like we had, did in the fall or, or, you know, do recently. Sometimes we do a 3-4-3 now, but the five midfielders was honestly key. That's kind of why we dominated that match for 70 minutes. And obviously, Trois made it a little dicey uh, for a couple minutes. I know it was 2-1 for about three, four minutes before uh, we put it away, but yeah, another good win against a uh, a team that you know is going to get relegated. But uh, considering we had lost the the week before, I think um, good win and just it's all about just getting match experience for these guys who we're really just kind of waiting to see what their future is going to hold uh, or look like in Paris. So yeah, good win. Uh, I don't. Other than that, I don't think I have anything that stands out to me. Yeah, I, I thought that that was, uh, you mentioned the previous week that they that PSG had lost, you had the Messi suspension and everything going on there. So it was very much a, a game with a lot of drama around it, which late in the season against Trois, you would think should just be, you know, walking the park. But there was a lot of tension there. And you mentioned that it was 2-1 there late on, and then Ruiz got the, the goal to secure three points. So it, it would have been a really contentious period of PSG would have drawn or, or lost that match and then the Messi supporters would have come out and say see your club is nothing without him so it was a good oh, win for been, PSG yeah. yeah no go ahead no I'm just yeah it would have been bad they would have been because yeah. they're already they're already pretty uh ferocious I mean PSG tweets anything or anything on social media they're just they're all over it so yeah that 
as soon as Trois scored, I thought, oh my gosh, please do not draw this game. I don't want to see all the the BS on show, on social media. I'm sick of the drama and the and the you know the fighting on social media. So gosh, yeah. thank God we won that. I, I had to make sure that only people that I follow can respond to anything that is like Messi related, just because they're just so relentless. Let's stay on Messi for a second. I don't know if I've got your thoughts on the whistling. So when Messi was playing against Ajaxio, there was whistling almost every time he touched the ball. And then I mentioned before his own Argentina Messi supporters were trying to hype him up, and it was it was weird and. I don't know. Some people say, you know, Thierry Henry came out and, and was kind of critical of the ultras. I'm seeing a lot of, and especially in the media, people taking on the ultras. And they're like, this is Messi. You know, Carlos Tevez, obviously, he's um, Argentinian, so he's going to stick up for Messi. But there's very few people that are saying, no, the ultras are right. And for me, I don't think the ultras are perfect, but I, I think they're perfectly with, well within their rights to whistle at Messi. This is a player who did not play well against Bayern Munich when the team needed him, given his enormous wages, given that he's the greatest of all time. And then he just fucks off to Saudi Arabia for a check instead of um, going to training. It was not authorized. And it, and he can't be whistled at. And, and then the media comes to his defense. I find it weird. So I'm totally fine with the whistling at him. I don't care what he's done. I care what he's done at PSG, which is not a whole lot. What, what do you say? Yeah, I agree. It uh, if if every, I mean, I, I've thought about this the other day. If Barcelona fans signed Mbappe, and then Mbappe just put up a bunch of stinkers, he wasn't pressing in dire situations. He just wasn't quite, you know, get, you're not you're not quite getting the value that you thought you get for him. Would they? Uh, and I know you're you're talking different. I mean, you're talking about the greatest of all time versus a guy who's he's still just 24, but. Uh, still, Killian is is a I, I, I would almost say he's a football legend already. You know, I we know that he will be a football legend. It's not quite a perfect analogy here, but if he was putting up stinkers and just not quite doing as much as he could defensively, and he was just kind of a little bit of a detriment to the team at times in Barcelona, they would not, uh, you know, they would not be afraid to whistle and boo him as well. So. It's it. You said it exactly right. Uh, he's not Messi. Is not a PSG legend. You know, at Barcelona, he'll get loved almost unconditionally. Uh, but he's not in Barcelona. This is a whole different scenario. There's a whole different team. You know, whole different atmosphere and vibe. Honestly, um, it's just he's not going to get that same treatment. And I think for people to expect us to give him that treatment is is a bit naive and foolish. Um, in a perfect world, yeah, everyone would always get you know loved and respected but uh this is a sport there are winners there are losers and based on yeah like what, what you said wages and what we kind of expected he he it's been on the losing side more than it should have been so i i don't quite know if booing is booing and whistling i mean i just don't know if there's a better way to to demonstrate what they think you know um i i i mean if we're talking last week or two weeks ago, the personal attacks, you know, calling them, you know, son of a son of a bitch, that kind of stuff, and they were doing giving that to Neymar as well, and then especially people went to Neymar's house. I'm never against you know personal attacks. Keep it football related because uh, insulting someone like that has really nothing to do with football. But 
as far as just whistling, it it's obviously less harmless, or it's it's not as harmless as personally insulting someone or showing up to their front gate. But I just don't know if it's quite the the best way to project that frustration that the ultras have, because I totally get where the ultras are coming from. Just like we were talking at the at the Real Salt Lake game, the the jerseys that they were selling. Um, it's you know these ultras they they don't like the idea of uh, a player a, a kit being sold because of the name on the back, and honestly, some of it I think is directed to him. And I'm sure there are some people that dislike him for uh, the World Cup final, of course. But honestly, it's a lot of it is the idea of Messi or the idea of Neymar. It's not. It's not oh, the whistling. I'm talking just the whistling here. If anyone, I just don't want to mix it up between. Sure. Yeah. You know, chant, chanting at La Factory and uh, and the whistling, but between the two, just the whistling and booing, a lot of it is is they're booing the idea of Messi. They're booing the idea of Neymar. These guys that they don't portray to love the club or put a hundred percent. Especially Messi, you can definitely argue that Neymar's put a hundred percent in. Some people disagree with me, but you can't argue that Messi has put in a hundred percent. And it's just not his club, you know, it's not his people. And that's understandable. But the the idea of QSI coming in and trying to raise revenue and make a profit and sign these guys that just, they don't love the kit. They don't love the badge. They're not going to kiss the badge. Those kind of guys. That's what the ultras are booing. That's what they, they reject the idea of players that will not give 100%. Because a lot of those ultras are in their 40s and 50s. They remember the days in the 90s, 1993 to 1998. That was our golden era. We won a European trophy. We won the league a couple times. We won the Coupe de France a lot. And we made a Champions League semifinal with a team that didn't spend that much money. Uh, I've checked net spend over that time. We spent like 500 grand across those five years. That's nothing compared to what we're doing now. And they just had a you know, mostly French team with some Brazilian guys, a couple Argentinians. And those dudes were warriors. They fought, they, you know, they, they bled for the, for the badge and that's what they want to get back to. So kind of a long rant, but just clarifying. No, and it was well taken. That's a great point. Maybe to a counterpoint to it, a lot of those ultras, they were singing. Remember 2017, Neymar comes in, Neymar, Neymar, right? They were all chanting, all singing his praises. I don't think any ultra would say, no, we don't want Neymar. Maybe a few. But by and large, they all wanted Neymar. The, the issue is, is the injuries, all the drama. They Imagine buying a really expensive car, a Porsche, and then it breaks down every year and you can't drive it. I think that's why the fans are upset. So, and now they're saying, let's just scrap this whole idea. To your point, the, the idea of these superstars, let's get people in here. Let's get kids that have something to prove. So they want an entire sporting philosophy change. And Messi and Neymar kind of go against what they want. But make no mistake about it. Most of them wanted Messi. Most of them wanted Neymar. I did too. But hindsight being 2020, now you, you have to think, well, was it really worth it? You know, Neymar did get us to a Champions League final. We have to give him that credit. But that was really the only year that he was healthy. So um, any final thoughts on that before we move on? Uh, no, I think you summed it up well. And yeah, everything I said, <laughs> I stand by it. Well, let's, let's stick with uh, Neymar here because it was reported that he is prepared to leave Paris. And it was also reported that Paris would be interested in getting rid of him. Um, 
It was also reported that Neymar likely won't be able to play in a match until November, coming off his ankle surgery. So do you think that PSG can actually move Neymar this summer? And if so, what teams do you think would be interested and and how could this deal get done? Oof, I could see... I, I don't see Neymar leaving. I'm not even sure if those reports that he'll be out till November are correct, but if they are, then it's going to be really hard to sell him uh, in the summer. Probably impossible, but uh, to even loan him, it would be very difficult. But clubs that I could see uh, buying him, uh, the list is short. It's Chelsea and Manchester United. I think that's it. Uh, Manchester United might get new ownership. I know that uh, a guy from Qatar, he is actually the older brother of who is technically our uh, PSG's owner, the the Amir. He is the Amir's older brother. He could have been, I just looked this up a couple days ago, but he could have been Amir, but he uh, just wasn't interested. So the, you know, he was the first of his, his household and it went down to his, his younger brother, who is now the Amir, basically the king, you know, president, whatever you want to call it, of Qatar. So they're brothers. Um, and while they they aren't uh, you know in uh, PSG or he won't be in Manchester that often, uh, they're still having conversations in Qatar, I'm sure. So maybe they figure out a good deal for Neymar, you know, brother to brother. They they kind of sort something out because publicity wise, uh, that would be that would be big for not that Manchester United need the publicity because they're they're hugely popular, but that that could maybe be a thing. That they'd go after, and I think that's probably more likely if, uh, if uh, the Qatari, uh, you know, Sheikh Jassim or however you say his name, uh, takes over. Uh, Chelsea is probably less probable because they won't be in the Champions League next year. And while Todd Bowley will probably want to go out and spend big money, uh, you know, try and get fans to rally behind him again, I just do not see Neymar leaving PSG. Where if he stays and he's healthy. We're going to start him, just almost certainly. I mean, QSI would basically force whoever's managing him to start. Even if it was Jose Mourinho, I'd, I'd worry that you know they'd, they'd force his hand on that, which could cause issues, of course. But um, if he's here, he's probably going to play. And I just don't see him leaving for a club that's not the Champions League. So right now, if, if you are desperate to have Neymar leave, you're probably hoping that the uh, Sheik in Qatar takes over Man United soon. Interesting. So no LAFC, Neymar to LAFC, not going to happen. No, pro- no, probably not. Although, <laughs> if it was, then tickets tickets would definitely get more expensive to the games I go to. But um, and they're already expensive as is. So maybe maybe let's avoid yeah. that. You know, we got we got Denny Buanga, uh, former Santetian guy. We got Carlos Vela in there. So I think that's enough superstars. We're, we've got a we've got a good team. Love it. Yeah. Now, so uh, if Neymar doesn't go to LAFC. A lot of people point to um, what is it, Newcastle, thinking their their Saudi owners could put something together, and certainly they could afford the the transfer fee, whatever PSG would accept for Neymar. But they've just been really smart with some of their signings, so I don't see that happening. They will be in the Champions League, so that's even more money coming into the club. So financially, Newcastle absolutely could do it. Um, they could pull off the deal, but they've just been really smart. I, I can't see them yeah. doing that. Chelsea, they're stupid and they have a stupid American owner. I could see that. I could absolutely absolutely see them, but you're right, there's no Champions League, but Neymar doesn't play in half the Champions League, so maybe that would be interesting to him. Um so uh who else did we say? Manchester United has to be 
the leading candidate. I can't see Liverpool getting involved. Tottenham's not going to get involved. Arsenal's not going to get involved. None of those clubs. I think there was something I saw about maybe going back to Barcelona, but they don't have the finances. Um, Oh, yeah, yeah. They're they're probably putting all their financial efforts into making sure they can sign Messi on a free. Yeah, Yeah, I, I would be blown away. There's a... Thousand to one chance that that they would buy a player like Neymar this year. I'd be, you know, if I had to pick like a dark horse, maybe like an AC Milan. They're so close. They they lost to Inter. Could they maybe do like a loan deal? And that's how I think this gets done. I don't think anyone's going to put in a, a transfer fee, but maybe a loan deal with PSG paying the majority of his wages and and hopefully an obligation to buy the following year if he meets certain performance or appearance. Um, yeah. So yeah. It, it's got to be something like that. Yeah, that, and that's the way. So I Manchester United, maybe an AC Milan. There's not a whole lot of buyers out there for Neymar. I think ultimately he stays, but I'm crossing my fingers that we're able to you know, because I, I, I think he's damaged goods. I don't think that ankle surgery is going to make him come back any healthier. And I think it's just a matter of time till he rolls his ankle again. And then, you know, we're paying him enormous wages for half a season as we've been for yeah. the last several years. So, yeah. Any yeah. other thoughts on that? Um, no, I agree with you. Um, I think it would be it would be best to. I mean, uh, if you know, if we can't sell him, then obviously we're just going to be rolling the dice and hope he stays healthy. Because if he's healthy, he'll probably be pretty. He'll probably be good. But um, yeah, you just you can't assume he's gonna uh, stay healthy. So, and I, I think uh, we're gonna get into this a little a little later. But um, well, I'll, this is a little bit part of finances. But I'll just jump into it now. So yeah, go for it. I, I was I was looking at you know what were what were the wages for these legendary trios like MSN or BBC at Real Madrid. And I, I, I did some crunching the numbers. It was just simple addition, but um, I don't know why I'm hyping that up. But um, the, I was math. looking at what they, yeah, I was looking at like their wages and what they were, uh, what what they made. And so, roughly per year, uh, BBC combined made about 80, 90 mil a year. And then at MSN, it was about the same until that massive massive deal that barcelona gave messi that is a part of a reason why they're in financial crisis um but m&m here at psg is making about double that uh because most of them i mean they're all on 50 million a year or more so i just think the the money management there i i just think if you're going to be paying star players that much then you should only have one maybe two otherwise way too much of that wage bill is just putting getting put on a couple people who are attackers opposed to you know putting it on you know world-class defenders or or elite midfielders and we've seen that that's been our struggle i mean if you look at all the 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 best teams in the world i mean you look at inter now you know they're you could say they're a bit lucky for being in the champions league final but they they've got a real good midfield and and you look at it you'd say well maybe none of those you know, most of the, the midfielders they have aren't world class, but like they just they just work together. You know, it's it's cohesive. And if I'd much rather just put money towards that than, you know, these star players. But we know that's not the QSI way. Uh, we know they want to, you know, be a brand and and uh, get that marketing money as much as possible. But just thought I'd note that. No, appreciate it. We're going to dive a little bit more into the finances because you had a really interesting tweet. But I want to stick with um, you know transfers. 
And so more on the transfer front, there was this report that caught my eye because it was reported that PSV in the Eredivisie, hopefully I pronounced that correctly, PSV's Ibrahim Sangare uh, has an agreement with PSG. He's interested in taking his career to the next level. Um, but apparently there's some bad blood between PSG and PSV uh, because of the situation with Xavi Simmons and um and, and some other transfer dealings in the past and the way Campos went about his business. Personally, I, I, I love Sangare. I think he'd be a great fit at PSG. But um, what, what do you think about that whole situation? Would you give up Xavi if it meant bringing in maybe a little bit better of a midfielder into PSG? What, what are your thoughts on that whole situation? Uh, yeah, I, I hadn't thought about this until uh, you just brought it up. But um, yeah, he, he could be super good. If, if you have it pulled up, how old is he? Do you know how old he is? And while you're looking it up, I will just say, yeah. if it's going to be between Javi Simmons for 12 mil or Sangare for a lot more than 12 mil. I think like 35 um, mil is what they're, what they're saying. Oh, just that, huh? Okay. I would have yeah. guessed over 50, but, um, and I've, I've, if, if you're watching this on whatever we have at YouTube, I have completely screwed up our... Uh, yeah, look at that. That looks fun. <laughs> I'm yeah. like in the middle here. Huh. So just keep talking. This That's, is It's all part all right. of... You know, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, man, I, I think it's important to have that elite midfield, and I would I would go for that as much as possible. I mean, we think Javi Simmons, he best probably plays on the left wing, but uh, he could be a 10. He could be a right winger as well. I just think it it may be a sort of thing where we, we move away from um, we move away from playing with a lot of wingers. I mean, Mbappe likes playing as um, on the left wing, but um, you know, hashtag pivot gang. But if he can play as a, uh, a wide forward and kind of, you know, let him know whoever's the new manager that comes in next year, you let him know you're going to have to sacrifice that, you know, positioning that you like a little bit, but if we can have you as a wide forward and then and then someone else as like a true nine, then that that could be a potential formula that works real well. And in that case, we don't need a right winger or a left winger so much anymore. So, but yeah, ultimately, I think you got to have an elite midfield. And if Sangare is gonna, if Campos believes Sangare is uh, a piece in that puzzle to do that, then yeah, I'd, I'd take him over over an attacker or a defender or anything. <laughs> Sangare, 25 years old. Transfer market has his... Um, let me just bounce over here. I don't think we could be on the same screen. I, I've completely screwed that up. So apologies if you're watching this on YouTube. But um, it, transfer market has his value at about $35 million. Sangare is 25 years old. So love that. And, you know, if PSV's feelings get hurt, I, I don't... You know, whatever. You know, they'll take the money. Go up to 40 if you have to. And still take... Shavi uh, Simmons and bring him back. So for I think it's what twelve million. So I, I think I, I love him. I think he'd be a, a fantastic plays a defensive midfield. I, I just Sangare. I think he's it would be an absolute steal if we can get him for thirty five forty. I think you got to do that deal, especially because I want to get to the next topic here, and it all comes together, Ethan, which is um, along with Sangare, Bernardo Silva, Kefren Taram, uh, Seiko Fofana. They've all been linked with the move to PSG. Any two of these players, let's just say, would be just fantastic. And they would absolutely be needed if Marco Verratti 
is to depart the club, which has been reported. So what do you make of those Marco Verratti reports that he could be looking for a way out? I think rumored maybe the Saudi Arabian League, um, which would just be crazy at, at his age and ability. But what do you make of those reports? And would you let Verratti go if it meant bringing in Bernardo Silva and Sangare or any of those two players I, I mentioned? Could they fill the gap left by Verratti? Gosh, that is tough. The, the thing with Verratti is that he's so good and he doesn't have a lot of bad games. Obviously, the the photo in the uh, the match of the, the photo there that you, you all on YouTube can see, he didn't have a good game. Um, that second leg was rough and he, he took responsibility, re, uh, responsibility excuse me, for uh, both of the, the two goals that, they, that Byron scored to kind of put the game away. But... Uh, I mean, 90% of the time when he is playing, he is very, very good. Uh, he's just, he's hurt a bit too much. He picks up yellow cards a bit too easy. At this point, though, being that PSG, we just do not. I feel like we, from a transfer uh, standpoint, we can't compete with Premier League teams. Or if, a lot, if you know, Barcelona or Real Madrid want someone, just because of their uh, greater, his, you know, greater history, uh, you know, they've, they've, they've got this legacy that goes back. They've won many Champions Leagues, all of them, and um, the league is more prestigious. They, they're they going to get players if if they want them over over us for the most part. So I don't think we can be that picky, really. Um, and I, I know that might sound like a bit of a doubter as a PSG fan, but uh, I think it's it's the reality. Um, you know, I know people on, on uh, social media will say, oh, PSG don't have history. Uh, that's obviously a lie if you've ever just looked on Wikipedia. But, I mean, we, we can't even argue that uh, PSG of the 90s, even when they were very, very good, they just still weren't as high profile as all these teams. You know, all these teams have decades and decades and decades of a uh, great resume on us. So that was a bit of a – I went on that too long. I didn't want to stay on that as long as I did. But um, those teams are going to be, you know, have pick of the litter for the most part. And I think if we've got to get someone or someone wants to play here and it's someone like Kefren Taram or Sangare or Bernardo Silva uh, or Seco Fofana, then I think you got to do it. And right now, mm, I know it's tough, but right now I'm still keeping Verratti. Um, mm. I'm still going to, I'm not going to let him go. I don't think that we're going to sell him. I don't even, I'm not even convinced he actually wants to leave just from some of the sources that I saw report that uh, news. Uh, some of the sources I saw from, I just don't quite trust them. So right now I'd keep him just because pickings are slim. If we were Manchester City, who's probably the most attractive team in the world to go to right now, just being that they're the strongest team in the world probably, and they play the most competitive league and they got the most money uh, because they're in the most competitive league, uh, then yeah, they can get anyone they want. And if they had a player like Marco Verratti, they'd probably think about getting rid of him. The same way that... A uh, little bit different scenario, but the same way that Real Madrid were able to offload Casemiro and they're still doing fine. Uh, obviously, like, like I just said, it's a bit different, but it's the same thing. Uh, I, I just don't think we can afford to get rid of those guys that have been, that have been very, very good for us, even if they're uh, injury prone. Um, and you could come back to me saying, well, what about Neymar? Same thing. Um, I, I'm mostly talking for... I just don't think the attack wins titles, you know. Uh, attackers and goals win games, but the midfield defense, defense wins win championships. Exactly. So <laughs> when you have a good, when we have a good player like that, 
I think we got to hold on to him, which is probably the same reason why I would extend Sergio Ramos this year. All good points. Jonathan Johnson had a great piece on our Substack about some of these legacy players, uh, Marquinhos, Verratti, whether they should go or not. My whole thing with Verratti, he's missed the league on game, a coup de France in a Champions League game this just this season uh, due to yellow card suspension. We know about his injury history. Uh, he likes to smoke from time to time. Um, my whole thing is that a player like this, it should hurt a little bit. It, you should be a little scared when you sell a player. He's 30 years old. He's right in his prime. Now is the time when you can get the most return for him. If you wait a little bit longer, maybe you give him another contract extension or you let him see this current one out, I, I just would be worried that then you're not going to get really anything for him. I think now is the time. We've seen what he can bring to this team. It's not quite enough. He's inconsistent. His availability is inconsistent, I should say. Um, so I... It would sting a little bit, but I think let's let him go. We've seen what Verratti at PSG can do. He's been a fantastic servant for the club uh, coming from, was it Prescara over in, was it the second tier Sir, Italian Sir, football? Yeah, Serie B. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, he, yeah. he was a diamond in the rough that PSG found, and, and he's rose to be one of the one of the better midfielders. But again, just like Neymar, his availability isn't ideal. So I absolutely, I would sell him. If you get sixty million for him, then you can take that. Bernardo Silva, I love that signing. He's he's older, but I, he's experienced. I think he's got a lot of quality. I love Sangari, as I mentioned, and Seiko Fofana. I mean, what are we talking about? This guy should be a PSG player already. The fact that he isn't is so frustrating. It's like Kamavinga all over again. Like, why aren't we? We see the the guy. That's who we need. Let's go get him from Lons. So if we can get Sangare. Uh, Kefren Taram and, and Fofana, give me those three, and you know, thanks, thanks, Ferrati, but we gotta keep it moving here. That that would be my if I was Campos, that's what I would do. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, that's that's a good. I get where you're coming from, and I, I'm still I go back and forth in my head about it too, because yeah, it's it's it is the same similar thing as as Neymar, the uh, availability. Just not being healthy all the time makes it rough. Not being available all the time makes it, it rough. And obviously, yeah, he's so great, but um, I'm I'm with you. I think especially like like uh, I said earlier, we'll, I'm going to get into financial issues in a bit. If uh, just having a player that you can that we got for so cheap that you can sell, and he's most likely going to begin his uh, football decline pretty soon as far as his ability. You can definitely make the case to sell him. Um, and you're right, it, it would sting. And I think a lot of people would completely say on on social media or just talking, they, they would say, oh, this is the death of PSG now that we're selling you know, servants like Verratti. He, he is our, the player that has won the most trophies in the, in the, the Rouge et Bleu, the, in the Parisian shirt. No one has won more trophies than him. And... Yeah, it, it would really sting to get rid of a player like that. But um, but but, but think, being... think about how many players we have, you know, your Kazawas, for example, these players that yeah. we just can't get rid of that we're, we're losing money on. Varadi would be exactly you, you get a return on him, considerable. Return, yeah, so no, you're right. I think if you need to rebuild the squad, you have to look at selling a player like that. We know Marquinhos. 
he's the captain of the club and you're thinking, how can you get rid of him? Well, I think Mbappe should be the captain. And then if you strip Marquinhos, I think he's got to go. He hasn't been in the greatest form. I would say the last two seasons, he's another player uh, came from Roma. I think we could sell him for a considerable amount to a Premier League team. Those are the players that I think we need to sell, bring in a substantial fee, and then we can start to rebuild the squad. But Ethan, We've been kind of hinting at it. You had a tweet about PSG's current financial situation. And, of course, when we're talking about transfers both in and out, it's all about the money, right? So what is the current status of PSG's financial situation? Yeah, so thanks. I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant here. Um, so PSG, yeah, like like he said, I, I made this tweet earlier. And, and essentially, I'm just transmitting this info from Swiss Ramble, if you guys haven't seen him on Twitter. Yeah, great account. Uh, he, I think he's I think he's an English guy and he lives in Switzerland or something like that. Um and and I do check these, I fact check these as well this, to see if they make any sense. And from what I've seen, this all seems to check out. So essentially, you know, and I'm a big believer, people ask me, uh, why the heck are you talking about the wage bill or or net spend so much? You know, I feel like I talk about that more than anyone else I see on Twitter. Um well, first off, I just don't have the best football tactical knowledge. So I feel like I, I can't dive into that part of Twitter. And then um, I just I just have always been interested in the football or the, the business side of, of football, you know, the money. Because the the money in finances is the foundation or, or the cornerstone of any club. Uh, the I tweeted this exact thing out a couple of days ago, but the, the best clubs in the world, the best big clubs, as far as the ones that are Champions League contenders, are the ones that manage their finances well. Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, um, you know, before a couple of years ago, Barcelona was. Great I was going to say it. definitely not Barcelona right now. <laughs> no, not right now. But they used to be very, very good at it. And the clubs that are considered the biggest underachievers are the ones that don't spend their money well. That is us. That is United. That is Chelsea, especially Chelsea right now. Um, so I just wanted to state that before I get into it. But uh, long story short, PSG from 2011, you know, the QSI takeover to 2019, right before COVID. Um, they were a slightly profitable football club, which is very, very good. It's it's hard to make money. Uh, it's hard to you know bring in a profit as a football club. Um, most clubs lose money and they go into debt, and then when they sell the club, the you know 10, 15 years on, the new owner uh, takes on that debt and then they start from scratch. But for PSG to make about seventy million dollars in profit from twenty eleven to twenty nineteen despite the fact that those first three years we were the highest spending transfer uh, you know club for transfer fees in the world and we still came out of that with a net profit it's really really good business I mean that's even in the middle of spending 402 million dollars on Killian and Neymar you know combined and we still came out of a profit it's unbelievable QSI did a you know I, I rag on QSI a lot but they did a very good job there at the at the beginning, the first nine years of running the club at, at making money. And a lot of people would say, uh, you know, what about the inflated sponsorships that they had with all the different Qatari companies? And um, yeah, I would say that obviously they were definitely cheating and don't love QSI for that. Um, but these numbers that I that I looked at and that I found, uh, they were after uh, they, they were numbers that were approved by UEFA, essentially. And there were numbers that were approved by Deloitte, who is a very reputable source regarding, you know, uh, sport finance, uh, as well as a bunch of other sources. So this is excluding all of the FFP fines, 
all of the uh, you know Qatari inflated sponsorships. Outside of that, when you remove all that and we're playing fair game, we made seventy million dollars in nine years, which, like I said, is is not that's you know you're not going to make a bunch of bunch of money, but most football clubs are losing money nowadays. So that's that's a good way to roll. Since then, COVID. COVID made it rough. Uh, in 2020, everybody lost money, every club in the world. Um, and in 2021, a lot of clubs still, they lost money, but not as bad as the year before because fans were back in the stadium a bit. And they started to recoup their COVID losses or, sorry, reduce the losses from COVID. Then in 2022, uh, the good clubs, the smart clubs, the well-run clubs, they got back to making a, a profit or a very small, uh, like a really, really small loss. Whereas we did not. Uh, in 2021, we lost more money than we did during COVID, which is unbelievable. But if you think about it, that's when we signed uh, that, that legendary transfer uh, window of all the guys who Ramos flopped that year. He wasn't good. Messi did not do well that year. And we essentially QSI gambled by, you know, they're thinking, well, if we spend money, we will make money. We'll make that those COVID losses back. But really they didn't and it completely backfired and we just lost even more. And since then, the trend has continued. In 2022, we lost about $250 million, which was double from the year before. Uh, and then this year we're projected to lose another $100 million on top of that. The losses are projected to be like 300, 350 million this year. If you take that 125, 250, 350, that's six, seven hundred million dollars that we've lost after doing so well for nine years, uh, a small profit, and then all of it immediately wiped away um, due to I'm not going to blame COVID though because clubs like Real Madrid, Barcelona. Um, and you know premier league teams even mid-table premier league teams um even southampton my favorite english club who just got re you know confirmed relegation they made money last year um so it's you know 2020 uh, uefa has basically gave clubs uh, kind of a pass on that because they knew everyone lost money in 2021 they were somewhat flexible too but last year and i know it's early in 2023 but this year, it looks like we are set to have like six, seven hundred million dollars of losses in the past three seasons. And I think that's a huge problem. It's probably why the club is looking to sell five to 15 percent of the club to Arctos, uh, some American, you know, sports group. Uh, it's probably why they're looking to I mean, Campos is a is a frugal guy. He, he does not spend big. His biggest ever transfer, I think, was the Vitinha one this year. Yeah. Um, in his in his time at Monaco and Lille, he he never spent massive massive transfer fees, and he is very frugal. And I, I identify a lot of uh, that in myself as well, where I'm real concerned about club finances. And when you see him wanting to sell Neymar and not extend Messi, it's because he knows that if we keep losing money like this, if we lose three hundred million for all these the next couple of years. I believe in two years, FFP is going to bring the hammer down on us. Are, they've uh, so already been PSG has already been fined uh, last, a, a bunch. last year. Yeah, several times. Yeah. yeah. We've been fined several times. We're actually the most fined club in FFP history. Fun fact for anyone uh, that's interested in that. 
Um, do we get a trophy but, for that? Do we do we get something? Oh, yeah, that's that's actually a bigger trophy than the Champions League. So I don't ever want to hear people talking about how we don't have a Champions League. Take anymore, that, so. Real Madrid. Exactly. Yeah, you know, you guys might have fourteen, but we are the most fined club in FP history. So what are you going to do about it? No, but uh, uh, it's. I think it's a pretty serious thing, and um, I'm hoping that uh, my last bid on it, and I'll end my spiel. My last bit is when when QSI sells a, a good chunk of the club to whoever these Americans are. A lot of them used to work for Madison Square Garden and the New York Knicks. That's I just looked up. That's who a lot of them were with. When they when they sell that that stake for anywhere from 150 million to 600 million dollars, I don't want to see the club immediately reinvest and spend huge huge money. Um, I know that you you were talking you love the Bernardo Silva. A signing, yeah. mm-hmm. he's eighty million, and we're we're definitely not going to sell him for hardly any money. I don't. I'm skeptical of the Bernardo Silva rumors and mm-hmm. the signing of it. I'm not sure I would do it. I really think it it needs to be where we're signing guys who are either going to be lifers at at PSG, guys that they are mostly French. They they'll love the club and they'll fight for the badge, or they got to be guys that we're going to be able to sell like Verratti or Marquinhos right now, where we could still sell and make some money off of them. So that is my last bit. I think the worst thing for us to do is, um, you know, get this this big cash flow here in a little bit, whenever that, that deal to sell part of the club is finalized, and then immediately have a $300 million window. I think that would be dangerous, dangerous stuff. So that's essentially summed up. Uh, if you want to find out the actual info and, Uh, see the numbers that I was looking at. If you just go to Swiss Rambles Twitter and you just type in PSG, just look at his latest stuff from uh, a couple days ago. And then uh, a lot of the past info I got uh, from when he, he did a report just like the one I mentioned uh, in 2021. So um, yeah, he, he normally reports on clubs every six months or so. uh, Cause you know, he, he basically does a club every two days reporting on their financial. I mean, today was Burnley, you know, so we're, it was us and then Burnley. Who knows who it'll be tomorrow? Probably. Is that the club Porto that? Um, uh, oh, what's the NFL player? I'm trying to think of. Oh, he, oh, JJ Watt. JJ yeah, Watt. He, is that the he, club he, that he's invested in? It, yeah, it is the club he invested in. Yeah, and Vincent Company is the manager, and they they just won the championship, the second year, uh, second division of England. Sorry, they just won it by a, a good, probably. A, yeah, I'd say it's a landslide. Yeah, it was. That is who JJ Watt just invested in. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, but. You know, all very important stuff. I have to admit, when it comes to the financial situation with the club, it's probably the part of that I least understand. So definitely appreciate you going through that. I know that, as we talked about, PSG has been fined several times. I think the free spending days are probably in our past. I don't think we're going to be spending $222 million on another Neymar or $180 million on Mbappe. No, I, I, I think not. as long as Campos is, is running the show, I think we're going to find those diamonds in the rough and maybe the Portuguese league, um, maybe free transfers like um, Marcus Taram uh, over in the Bundesliga. We're going to look for smart economical signings, and I think the ultras have to be happy with that. So, Ethan, appreciate that. Um, I kind of wanted to, to switch gears here a little bit as we're coming towards the end of the show. Away from PSG, there was some news made by League on, and that was that, um, and, and the news should interest fans in the U.S. like us. So the league has partnered with a sports marketing agency called Revolution. 
uh, to expand its presence in the U.S. Um, Ethan, I want to ask you, if you were running Revolution, what sort of marketing, what would be your marketing strategy to to get Legon more popular in the United States? We know that most people here know PSG. We mentioned them selling the, the jerseys and stuff. But how do you get people excited about a Leon or a, you know, a Lons? What would you do? Well, one thing I think, uh, I know that there's way more, uh, you know, English Americans or German Americans, people, Americans who came from English or German backgrounds and obviously the huge Latino population. I feel like those feed straight into the Premier League, Bundesliga and La Liga fans we've got in the country. Uh, but if if the uh, what, what is it called revolution? If revolution yeah. could find a way to to really, I mean, especially if they can reach out to Canadians, especially uh, French speaking Canadians near Quebec, uh, if they can reach out to um, a lot of uh, French Americans, like I know myself. If anyone doesn't know, I support PSG because most of my family back in the day comes from Paris, um, and, and I, I speak the language a little bit, so. For me, I know that my my heritage is a bit of a thing that that's why I support the club I do. If they can tap into something like that, that then uh, that would be good. But I think most of all, uh, to market PSG as a uh, as a league that uh, I mean, I don't it, I don't want us to sound just like a feeder league. I mean, even though it technically is for most clubs, but uh, just these are the these are the places where your next Kareem Benzema is going to be playing most likely. Uh, it's it's called the League of Talents for a reason. And I feel like for those people who are interested in, I want to see those diamonds in the rough before they blow up on the biggest stages. This is a good place to find them. So I wonder if that would be a good, uh, a good, you know, marketing deal there. But you've, I know, you know, a little bit about this more. So what are your Okay, yeah. So, number one, I got a couple things I would do. If I was Revolution, I'm reaching out to Netflix. How can we get Emily from Emily in Paris? How can we get her to go to like a Stade de Reims match when she's down there? You know, Champagne Country. Whoa. I, I'm 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 working that, that is angle. Genius. <laughs> I'm working that angle. Wow. I don't know how you thought of that. Okay, and that was only point number one. That's only wow. point that, number one. That actually, I don't know. I don't know why I didn't think of that. That honestly, right off the bat, is dude, good on you. Yeah, okay, have her, too, now have her in a niece. Now I'm really invested. Okay, all right. Yeah. So Emily in Paris, yeah, yeah. we'll set that there. Balogun, so he's playing for the U.S. Hype up where he's coming from and say not only, you know, what other players. I, I think, uh, does Atois have an American player? That's pretty, that's kind of low-hanging fruit. But highlight Americans that are over there. See if you can get some kind of pipeline between MLS and Ligon. You mentioned your LAFC guy came from St. Etienne. So I think really you got to hammer that that there is there is a pathway to getting American players over to the French league, and that's where they're really going to develop and in, in, in long term help U.S. men's national team. So I think that's great. I think highlighting the unique history of of the clubs, and I think I, I I'm pretty sure about this, but isn't France like they have one of the highest tourism people go there, not just Paris, but all over Nice, Marseille, yeah, uh, south of yep. France. I think you need to highlight the clubs while also talking about the regions and the food and, and the cultures that are there. And and almost like uh, Anthony Bourdain, 
have a, a, a someone who's noteworthy go to these places and introduce the club to an American audience and say, oh, you're going to the south of France? Let me show you Monaco or let me show you Nice, right? And you go around and then go, oh, and here's Strasbourg on, on the border of Germany and, and here's how it's different and, and of course Paris. And I think tying in the culture and the food and the music and the people and then also that there's a football club here with a rich history I think you're going to win people like that a little bit like Formula One and what they're doing with Netflix, but also with a splash of like Anthony Bourdain in there. I think that could be really uh, successful. And I think if Lee Young can just put hot tubs in every stadium that obviously we Americans, we love hot tubs. So those would be my ideas to uh, if I was running revolution, any comments wow. on that? Gosh, I'm actually, man, you're making my ideas look like garbage compared to that. Um, I'm, I'm pretty impressed. Um, and yeah, those are good ideas. I'm actually, I know my uh, my fiance, she loves Emily in Paris. I'm probably mm. going to mention that to her right after this. Be like, man, look at this good idea that Ed had. Um, but have you not seen yeah, Emily in ooh. Paris? Have you watched no, it? I've watched, I've watched a little bit of it uh, when okay. she's had it on. Um, my, so good. I've talked to my, I've talked to my buddies in Paris, and we kind of laugh at it because it, it obviously does not portray what it's actually like living there. <laughs> That's that's like if you that's like if you could live there but live as a tourist, which is not possible, obviously. But no, you're right though. It's got a huge audience, and um, man, yeah, those I thought those were good ideas. You, you ought to actually mention those to them. I think you said you were gonna, or something yeah. like that. You're gonna reach out to them. Revolution. Yeah, if you're yeah, listening those, to this, I, I'm your man. Are, Come to me. I got your whole marketing plan set. Those I'm ready are, to go. Yeah, those are good ideas. Well, if anyone else has anything that they think of uh, as listening to this, then I guess if you're watching on YouTube or something, throw it in the comments because I'm uh, I'm interested to see if anyone else has got some really good ideas like that. I mean, look at Formula One. Look at the success that they've had. Um, you know, we all know Mercedes wins a lot, Red Bull, but there's people out there who are like, oh, I'm an Alpine fan. Or I, William. Yeah, but that's me. Yeah, that's me. Oh, you know, Alpine's French, so they're they're my guys. Yeah, and your heritage. So to your point, tying you know, reaching out to yeah. you know, yeah. Montreal and even New Orleans, like these these hotbeds mm -hmm. where you have a lot of a French population um, or people who speak French. Tying into that, I think is important. But Alpine doesn't win anything. Williams doesn't win anything. Haas doesn't. Why are people getting interested? It's because of the story. So if you could tell the interesting story of, you know, Ajaxio over, you know, Corsica and telling that whole story of how the club was founded and the culture that that is there and how it's different and just the, the just everything that's going along with it, and just telling that story in an interesting way. I bet you you could find some people that are like, you know what, I'm going to start supporting Montpellier or whatever. Um so yeah, I, I think the future is bright. Hopefully Revolution gets it right. I'm I'm very excited about what they're going to do. And uh, yeah, if you guys are listening, give give uh, Ethan and I a call. Um, all right, Ethan, last topic. we got to dip into the Champions League because today we're recording this on Tuesday night. So Inter Milan punched their ticket to the Champions League final as they advance past their rivals, AC Milan. Ethan, you tweeted something interesting about how that this could have been PSG. This could have been PSG's dream run. So talk to me about this alternative universe where PSG reaches the final this season. Yeah, in this alternative universe where uh, some Portuguese guy on Benfica doesn't score a sixth goal in Israel on in December, or in a, a world where we beat Juventus by more than one goal in each of the times we played him, or in a, a, a reality or universe where we actually beat Benfica one of the times, uh, then assuming I know that the odds and everything change a, a little bit as 
uh, you know, Portuguese clubs can't get drawn to Portuguese clubs. And I don't think they were the only Portuguese club in the last 16, but let's just, let's just say we were basically in Benfica's spot because we almost would have been. And let's say Benfica was in our spot. Well, unfortunately they would have had to play Bayern and probably would have lost, even though Benfica is a very, very good team. They were definitely uh, quarterfinal worthy. But in this world, we play Club Bruges, who is, they, you know, they were on their second manager of the year. They're now on their third manager. Uh, after the World Cup break, they had won just one of like eight games in the Belgian Pro League, and they were not doing good. Uh, just like Benfica did, I think 7-1 on aggregate, we would have rolled over Bruges. Um, unlike in years past, I know we drew to them in the Champions League a couple of years ago, but this is not that was not the Bruges team of a couple of years ago. So we would have slaughtered them as Benfica did. And then if the same draw happened and everything, it's open draw, so you would imagine the same things would have happened. Uh, we would have played Inter, who has you know, been very good defensively in the Champions League this year. Uh, but they're going to probably finish third in Syria, maybe second if Juventus drop points. That would have been a tough matchup, um, but no Skriniar by then. We would have had a chance to to beat Inter. Uh, it's not unreasonable to think. Maybe they even slightly have the edge, but I got to be thinking if we get past that, that first round in the Champions League, we're not having a lot of these off-the-field issues that, that we've seen a lot of those just yeah. wouldn't have been brought up or wouldn't have been an issue. Agreed. Yeah. So you'd imagine squad squad morale and everything is looking a lot better. And let's say we beat Inter, even though they would have been the toughest opponent that we would have faced on the route to the final, we would have beat them. We'd have been playing AC Milan and AC Milan is just a little bit of a broken team. They were kind of playing for their lives because they're in a bunch of debt and they probably won't be in the UCL next season. So them losing today may have been an absolute nightmare for the club, but on paper, we would have probably handled them just as Inter did if we were in the semis. You know, we I don't think we have a bunch of big game players. We've seen Marquinhos and other guys make make mistakes in crucial games, but I really think we would have got past in, uh, AC Milan. So if we had you know got past a tough Inter in the uh, in the quarterfinals. We would be the underdog for sure, and we probably wouldn't be. We wouldn't be as good as as Man City or Real Madrid. Uh, but if we had scored one more goal in the group stage, and then handled a difficult interside in the quarterfinals, it is not able to think that we would have been celebrating today. And this podcast would have been about how we're going to our second Champions League final after our uh, fourth semifinal appearance, instead of you know us talking about what we did. So. <laughs> Just thought I'd throw that out there. Um, yeah, just the Champions League's tough. It truly is a cup competition. I know a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to dog on it by saying it doesn't, you know, tell you who the best team is. But let's just remember it is a cup competition, and things are dicey. Things are volatile. I mean, things certainly went our way in 2020 when we made the final. We did not have a tough draw, and it worked out. And I don't find it hard to believe that this year could have been the same. It's a lot like the uh, Stanley Cup, which I think not always the best team doesn't always win it. There's a lot of luck involved in winning the Stanley Cup, and I think that's that stands to be true with the Champions League. Um, you know, if Inter wins it, are they better than Manchester City, Real Madrid? Probably not. 
um, but they would be the the ones holding the cup. It, it's just crazy. One bounce of the ball this way, one VAR decision that way, one injury, things can change. Um, it, PSG certainly had a team on paper that, that should have gone a lot further. It wasn't meant to be. It's disappointing. So all we can do is on this podcast talk about how we're going to get better and hopefully win it. But it, it is crazy how maybe if you know we win against Benfica and one extra goal doesn't go in, we maybe would have gotten a, an easier opponent. It's just crazy to think about. So thanks for uh, depressing everyone here uh, tonight, Ethan, <laughs> and, and what could have been. Appreciate that. Oh, yeah, no problem. <laughs> you know. Yeah, well, you know, in I'm an optimist, and I'm thinking despite that being a we need a bunch of changes at the club. I think if uh, if we can get Messi out and Neymar out uh, again, Neymar just because he's a you know big hit on the wish bill and he's not super available, um, or if he's going to stay healthy, if you know if I could look in the future and say that he's going to stay healthy the whole year, then awesome, we keep him. He and Mbappe are our front two, um, and then we yeah build around just like two other pieces, two three other pieces for the midfield and defense. And honestly, looking you know, just go ahead, control what we can control, win our group next year. We'll probably get an easier team in the round of sixteen. I know we've had the worst luck about getting an easy team in the round of sixteen in the past of of any club in, in Europe. That's statistically been proven. Uh, but, you know, most years we're going to get an easier team, probably a Porto or a Bruges or someone like that, handle them, and then from the quarterfinals on, just hope that the uh, the draw is, is kind to you and just, you know, beat who's in front of you. So I, I really think every, the, the lucky thing about us being as PSG fans, and I really think clubs in the world this year after year, uh, we've got the chance to win the Champions League every season if things go right. So I think that we should uh, we should hold some hope. In- yes, let's hold out some hope. Um, PSG will hopefully continue to be in the Champions League every season, but you never know. The, uh, the Dutch League is fast on our heels to take away a Champions League spot. So hopefully the rest of the French clubs can keep doing their part and, and keep uh, our Champions League spots intact. So... Ethan, we are over an hour, and before we get into our um, so longs here, I just want to say back to what what League On and Revolution can do to help League On be more popular popular in the United States. Get rid of being sports. Get on a normal streaming service. I can't believe I forgot that, but that would be my big thing. Anyway, Ethan, let's get out of here. That let everyone be, yeah. let everyone know how they can find you on Twitter. Yeah, I'm at PSG underscore Boise. Fantastic. Yeah, you're a great follow. Make sure you give Ethan a follow on there for more financial stuff and alternate universe stuff and just really sensible comments about PSG if you want to get away from all the, the messy fanboys and Neymar fanboys. Ethan is a great follow. I'm also a decent follow, I guess. You could follow me at PSG Talk. Again, make sure you visit our website, subscribe, and uh, leave us a review on this podcast. And check us out over on Substack. We've got Jonathan Johnson's um, latest article up there. It's a really good read, so make sure you do that. Um, Other than that, thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye, everyone.